Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name's Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. On today's episode, I want to welcome Sasha Kaufman. Sasha's an executive with over 25 years commercial experience. He's worked at some of the best-known global consulting firms and corporate brands before starting two of his own successful ventures. But Sasha's career was not without challenge. Early on, he lost his job through personal circumstances, which impacted his behavior at work. He found it lonely and difficult to talk about this, which in turn affected his personal and work life. In this podcast, Sasha opens up about these challenges and shares how his vulnerability saved his career and eventually led him to a crusade to help others to navigate similar obstacles. Today, Sasha is an influential leadership consultant and coach with a passion to help individuals, teams, and organizations navigate various challenges in life to live their most fulfilling careers. And just another reminder that the Move Your Mind book is now available globally. You can get it in stores in Australia. You can get it online globally. And the audio book is also now available globally. Sasha, thank you so much, mate, for coming on my podcast. We've, I've known you for a number of years. We've had so many conversations, so many times we've talked uh, behind closed doors or without a microphone where we've probably thought this would make a good podcast. And uh, it's great to finally have you on here. And ironically, you know, we're both from Melbourne and we're doing it while I'm in New York on the other side of the world. But yeah, thank you so much, mate, for coming and doing it. Oh, mate, my, my absolute pleasure. Um, I don't know if I'm jealous that you're in New York or um, whether that's not necessarily the place I'd want to be uh, in this crazy world right now. But uh, it's good to see your face, mate. And yes, I'm glad, I'm glad we've decided to do this because we've had some great conversations over the years, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like so, so many, so many amazing things that I want to discuss with you. And you've got such a interesting story and journey, and so many, I guess, a lot of parallels as well. In, in you know what we've what we've been through and what we're sort of looking to you know do in in our careers. But uh, before we go into it, can you just for our audience, can you just give a bit of a abbreviated sort of overview on, I guess, who you are and how you got to where you are now? Yeah. Um... Oh, it's one of the toughest questions when you when you throw in the word abbreviated um, because I guess I've been working for 23 years now since finishing uni and um, you know for the last 10 or so years I've been a co-founder of now two businesses um, so I, I, I became this accidental entrepreneur about 10 years ago after working in sort of global consulting firms and um, and global big corporates. Um, but I started in management consulting way back in 1997 or 98 um, and worked there uh, for a few years at a couple of different firms. Um, probably the most, one of the most trying times of my life and I think that's one of the things that we'll, we'll sort of talk about a little bit more. Um, spent some, a few years in recruitment, uh, again, sort of moving around, really trying to find 
you know, my, my place and um, uh, I had a number of struggles early on um, with that. And then um, a couple of significant things happened in my life, which again, we'll, we'll, we'll go into, but really what I found for me, the calling was I loved working with people. Um, and I was fascinated by um, how people think and what drives them from a career point of view. So that whole learning and development, leadership development, talent um, space became very, very top of mind for me. And um, that's the path that I pursued. And, and, you know, I've had some incredible experiences along the way, learned a lot myself. And, you know, um, I, I know that when I think about passion and purpose, it is absolutely that. It is working with people um, in, the, in the manner of, you know, helping others realize what their passion and purpose is and kind of where they're sitting today and what the various blockers are and, you know, how to get there. So as I talk today as a co-founder of a, of a construction tech startup, I'm looking now to, to exit that role, um, get someone in who's much more passionate and talented and capable to take this company and to grow and scale um, as it needs to. It's a fantastic idea, but for me, it's a matter of um, returning to what is my bread and butter, what I, was, what I guess I was put on this planet to do. Um, and I've been speaking to lots of friends and networks and everything, and it's very funny. Um, but also really nicely reassuring that everyone's like, Sasha, you need to be in a role where you're doing this. Um, and so that's what, I'm, that's what I'm sort of doing right now. So you've kind of got me mid-journey, mid mid-transitioning journey. Um, and it's exciting, but it's also very daunting because it's been a long time since I've actually been out there looking for, for a role. Um, so, yeah, interesting time. Yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, that's a, a point for anyone who's listening as well. It's like any, any change is scary. You know, it's going to be uncomfortable. You got to, you have to confront things, but that's the only way we can actually make those changes. And, you know, talking about passion, purpose, meaning, I'm, I'm sure we'll, you know, go into that um, in a lot more detail as we go through this, but there it, it's listening to your gut. And often, you know, we, we sort of intuitively know, but we'll ignore it because of that fear or the knowledge that if we do, confront these things, it's going to come with that discomfort. So I love the fact that, you know, you're here talking about it, you're sharing your journey. I think it's really interesting that, you know, you can talk about it as you're in this process because that's mm. like such a powerful way to help people listening. That, And I'm sure there's so many people out there that are having the same questions come up and wanting to explore that but not knowing where to begin. So it can definitely help a lot of people. Yeah, um, yeah. well, uh, look, if, 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 it, if, it, if it can certainly help some others, you know, that's, that's fantastic. It's uh, it's definitely an interesting time to be doing this. As I said, sort of mid that journey and uh, and and trying to find for me exactly how to play and what that next opportunity is. Um, I know I know I've got some good um, crystallization around what I want to be doing. It's now what's the right environment, the culture, who are the people that I want to be collaborating with, because uh, there's an incredible sea of people, yourself included, that we've talked about. Um, collaborating in this space so yeah it's very exciting but like you say um, pretty pretty daunting um, that feeling of being quite vulnerable again you know opening yourself up um, talking about some things from the past you know around the journey that that were some really trying times so it's you know digging into some of those those more difficult periods um, 
but in a in a much more growth or healing way as well. So um, so that's also really good, you know, to think of where I'm at today from from where I was. Um, you know, the growth hasn't been a straight line growth. It's been a lot of a lot of jagged lines, um, but nonetheless, like just some some real progress, and and that's what's that's what's really exciting. But I think it's another another point. We're sort of taught this thing that you know, in life, you've got to follow this very clear set pathway, and by a certain age and a certain point in life, this is where you're meant to be at, and you're meant to, and it's just not how it works, and it also inhibits growth. If you live by that then you might get to a certain point and sure you could, you know, coast through and probably make an okay living and whatever. But if you're not taking, if you're not listening again to that gut or, you know, doing things that are in line with what you really want, you're going to limit your, your personal happiness. You're going to not be able to put your best foot forward and you're not going to be able to help other people. And, you know, it has a, a really, it has, you know, a huge um, sort of effect, effect in every way. So it's, mm. again, something where it doesn't really matter, you know, when or where, mm. it, that, that's life. Like it's always cyclical. We have good times and bad times. And mm. I guess before we go into, um, you know, where you're going right now and some of these other messages, uh, you know, we t- you talk about how your career sort of didn't start off um, in, you know, it, it, you had difficulties and, you know, things come up and a lot of issues early on in the career that you were mm. going through personally. Um, can you sort of, yeah, talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, as I said, it's something that I'm talking about a lot now because I'm talking about, um, you know, my career and what my story was and why I made certain moves and, and all that sort of thing. So yeah, it is, it is very topical. Um, I guess if I go back to my school days, I was a bit of a nerd at school. I was always a high achiever, did very well. Um, you know, got into the uni course that that or any uni course that I really wanted, and um, and I did commerce arts at Monash in in um, Melbourne, and um, again just did very well at university. You know, became an honours student, and when it came to working, that's where management consulting sort of became this thing. It sounded really interesting. It was project based. There was a lot of travel involved, and you were helping clients solve problems, and and that sounded very interesting for me. Um, and back then there was the, the big six as it was, you know, it's now the big four, you know, PwC, um, uh, KPMG, Ernst and Young and Deloitte. Um, but there were a few more back then and, um, you know, I, I'd, I'd done really well and I got offers from five of those big six. So it was like, wow, amazing. But at almost the same time that uh, I was finishing university and I got that opportunity to, to start working, my mum was diagnosed with a um, really rare form of um, lung cancer and, um, and it absolutely crashed, crashed my world. And I guess mum was a single mother she'd been through a divorce um she was working class she was actually a a, an aged care and psychiatric nurse and it meant that um her work was going to be impacted in that you know she was unable to to perform her normal duties so um i'm the oldest of um of, of four siblings and um it just naturally sort of fell on me that i'm now going to have to play this role of carer and in reflection, I mean, I just was not ready for that. I was in my mid-twenties, um, just worked really hard at university and something, and I just I just was ill-prepared for what that actually meant for me. And I guess 
for me also at the time, and I don't know why, but there was just this shame aspect. There was this shame that my mum, who was so young, was was so unwell and and you know on in this sort of terminal pathway, um, and and therefore I I really struggled, and it's something that I found very hard to share and talk about with my friends, none of whom were going through. Thankfully, something is horrific, so I felt very alone and isolated in that, and unfortunately for me, the way that it played out so badly was. Um, that I acted out in my work environment. You know, I was in professional work environment, professional um, a pr- professional space, and I acted out in all sorts of ways. So just to give you some examples, you know, um, I was traveling a lot for work. Um, that meant staying in luxury hotels. That meant going out for dinners. Um, so I was getting all of these, I guess, materialistic comforts at a time when emotionally, I was getting no comfort whatsoever. In fact, it was it was really difficult. It was really hard for me to go home and have to be and play play that role. And again, none of this I realized at the time. This is all, you know, through years and years of counseling and reflection on uh, on what had happened. But um, yeah, it all came crashing down for me. You know, I was I was erratic at work. I was misbehaving. I was being cheeky. I was kind of being the the, the larrikin, which was never me at school or university. I was, as I said, I was a bit of a geek. And um, you know, after two years in my grad role, I'd actually been headhunted by another um, really reputable management consulting firm. And um, so I was headhunted to join. But had I not have joined, I think you know these guys were ready to say, "Listen, you need to go." Um, so I joined the, um, the, the new firm and I lasted there only about a year. And that's when my world really came crashing down because I had exploited the expense policy so far. I was staying in hotels over weekends when I had also flown home, you know, so just charging the room. Um, I was out ordering expensive dinners and all sorts of things on the, on the corporate credit card um, when I shouldn't have been doing that because it just gave me that sort of um, you know that that comfort and doing all the wrong things, and I take absolute responsibility for for everything that I did at the time. And I got called in um, by the the head partner, and the HR person was there, and they said, "Listen, um, we're on to you. We've seen what you've been doing. Um, we are aware of your your circumstances with with your mum, but um, unfortunately, you know you've." You've breached our, uh, our our policy and our code of ethics and so forth, and we have to let you go. And that time for me was so incredibly scary because for me, I had my mum to look after, and that meant financially too, and I was now out of work. And the idea of telling mum that I'd lost my job or her finding out was just devastating, and I just I couldn't bring myself to do it. So then the story that I told myself was I quit my job. I needed to, to, to do less travel. I needed to be home more. I needed to look after mum more. And that became the rhetoric. That became this lie that I lived um, to protect myself. So I, I look at it now as me armoring up and protecting myself and creating this story of that's, that's what happened so that I could look after mum and and take care of her and so forth. And that's when I sort of fell into recruitment and I was working in recruitment because I thought it was helping people with their career. 
But even then I was moving around firms because I was just being so disruptive and I was still struggling so much, feeling so incredibly isolated. And um, anyway, eventually in 2002, my mum passed, um, which was absolutely devastating. Um, Horrible day in May and I remember it. It was a bleak day. It was raining at the funeral. It was just horrible. Um, And for those that have lost you know, loved ones in their family, you know, despite knowing for three years, she had the cancer for three and a half years, knowing that it's going to happen still when it happens, it's just, uh, it's just the biggest punch to the gut. Um, So mum's now passed and we've gone through the funeral and I'm going through the mourning. um, And at that time, I was very fortunate that I had a very good friend of mine, Ben Gelbart, who was volunteering at REACH, the REACH Foundation, formerly led by the great Jim Steins. And he just said to me, Sasha, I think you need to get involved in REACH. It would just be amazing. Come and volunteer. The kids there are amazing. You get such a buzz out of it. And I think you'd have a lot to contribute. And thank God I did. It was amazing. It was eye-opening. And I kind of went there to REACH with this mindset of, I'm going to be there as a mentor and helping all these young people. And, mate, nothing could have been further from the truth. It was all of these incredibly brave, courageous young people who all had their own stories of challenges and hardship and sadness and loss and, uh, and, and abuse and so forth who were talking about it in a very open forum and sharing their stories. That inspired me and it just was like incredible to see this, this braveness and, and, and courage so Reach was, was incredible. And through Reach, I found a partner who was working there, Sue Bannatine. Um, she was from PwC. And she said, Sasha, we've got a role for you at PwC. Um, I think it would be amazing. It's in our learning and development area. It's going to be a lot of coaching our young graduates, coaching our partner track directors. I think you'd be awesome for it. And I was like, this sounds amazing. So fast forward, I end up getting this, this incredible role at PwC. And still now, when I look back, this is two, between, around 2004. So it's a, it's a long time ago. But still that role for me, roughly the two years that I was there, was the best role ever. I mean, I was in my element. I no longer had mum around. So now for the first time, it was about me doing something for me and just about me and and I was flourishing in this role. You know, it really played to all of my strengths and I absolutely loved it. Um, so fast forward a little bit, two years in, I'm working in Sydney at, at the time and I get called into the head of HR's office. Um, and um, it was a bit of a surprise. And um, uh, Louise, her name was, sort of said to me, oh, Sasha, look, I just need to ask you a question. Have you ever worked at, A.T. Carney, which was was the former firm that I had been fired from. And I just remember this overwhelming weight on my shoulders, like a house had come crashing down on my shoulders. And I just said, yes, I did. Um, Like, where is this going? And she said, okay, were you let go? And I said, yes, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and basically what she said to me was, look, it had been brought to my attention by someone in the business community. You know, you work there. Um, and when we checked your CV, A.T. Carney was not on your CV. And of course, what I'd done is to protect myself was, 
you know, lied and covered up and removed that terrible part of my life from my CV. But effectively in PwC's eyes, you know, I, I had, I'd lied and manipulated my way into the firm. And despite the fact that I was, you know, a, a really top performer and doing incredibly well, I had partners at the firm and even my immediate manager, et cetera, really standing behind me for, 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 for what I was doing at the firm. Um, after a few days, they'd taken what then was probably a, a harsh stance to say, look, um, on ethical grounds, we're going to have to let you go. So it's now the second time in my life for the same incident that, um, that I've, I've lost my job um, and all of the self-esteem and all of the confidence that went with it. Only this time, it was very different. It was very different. Through my experiences at REACH and understanding vulnerability and understanding, you know, the, uh, learning the ability to, to put your hand up and say, I'm not okay and I need help and I want to change and I want to get out of this, um, I was able to demonstrate my own vulnerability. And I remember calling my then girlfriend who was back in Melbourne, uh, telling my friends that this had happened and I'd lost my job and, and I was devastated and I was in tears and I, and I just, I, I, I just, I was rallying. I needed help this time and I could see that I needed help. Um, I no longer had mum to protect either. As I said, it was, it was now about me and I knew that this was a pattern that I wanted to break. And um, the, the experience that I had and the growth and the learning was unbelievable. Um, the people that, that rallied to my support um, and listened to me and, and, and comforted me and cared for me was unbelievable. And that was how I landed my next job, which was a really senior role in, in talent and leadership at ANZ. Um, I remember sitting down with the, the, the head of HR at the bank who had known me through to PwC and, and sitting there and telling him the truth. I'd lost my job. I'd been fired. Um, I'd lied on my application about, you know, this former incident. And he said, Sasha, you know, we, 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 we all make mistakes um, and we've all got some, some things that we'd probably regret, but um, you know, I, I'm, I'd love to, I'd love to explore working with you and I'd love to give you a go. And that was unbelievable. Like it was unbelievable for me and incredibly life-changing to get that experience. So yeah, that was, that, that was the early part of my career for the, um, the first four or five years. Um, it was incredibly challenging, but, um, but also the start of something for me, you know, when, through this tragedy at losing mum, having the experience of going through reach, seeing the importance of being able to talk vulnerably um, and courageously about challenges and things that we're, we're going through. Um, I just saw how much support that that actually draws and that set me on the path even more so for what I wanted to do is go, well, if this is happening to me, this sort of thing must be happening to so many other people. I mean, death is just a part of life and that's only one issue. All these people that would be going through this um, where things outside of your working life naturally are going to have some effect, hopefully not as bad and severe as, as mine, in your, in your business life and affect your performance 
and affect your well-being. And, and that was the start for me. That's where I went. I, I love this work and I want to be doing this work forever. Um, and um, yeah, and that's, that's why I'm, I'm still sort of doing it today. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. And I, I haven't heard all of that from you, you know, we've known each other for a long time, but some of that I, you know, we haven't talked about and it's, yeah, it's interesting. It's a, a, a big journey. And I guess that's only, only part of it as well. Uh, but so many things in there that, you know, we could sort of go into. And mm. one of the keys, like you're saying is, I mean, and I find it crazy that, you know, you were saying like when your mum was sick, you were feeling this shame about talking about it and, mm. Uh, but it's, it's another example of, uh, just vulnerability. We struggle with it. We're not taught how to do it. I, and, and a lot of the traits you were talking about in your story, I've seen on, you know, living in New York, I've seen in extreme ways over here where you're meeting all of these people that it's just almost blank and they're putting Mm. on, you know, they're trying so hard and you can sort of see that there's something going on behind the scenes, but it's all about um, external sort of using external things to, to hide away from whatever it is that's going on. And it's just, you know, it doesn't end until you sort of have something so confronting that forces you to uh, look into that or um, you decide to make that change yourself, but often people don't. Uh, yeah. So yeah, all yeah. the stuff you're yeah. talking about there, it's, it's so relevant. And I guess, yeah, like, is it something you in your time, in the corporate world, um, did you see that a lot in other people you're working with? Does it seem like that's a big part of the culture there? I mean, I know no I've doubt. seen it. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Um, you know, I've I've made some real inroads with with you know so many people throughout my my working life, um, largely through you know you know telling my own story a little bit, um, maybe in, in in not as much detail, but. You know, talking about the mistakes um, I've made, the imperfections in my career to date, and that has absolutely opened the doors um, and and given other people the confidence to go, oh wow, you know, um, Sasha's not perfect. Um, maybe maybe I can sort of talk talk about some things around my own imperfections and. Um, you know, there's definitely a, a mentor that, you know, you and I both know. He's a great Aussie guy, Ben Crow. Um, he's someone that I look up to incredibly. Uh, he, he just articulates this so well in that, you know, we live in this world where there's this enigma, um, uh, this falsehood of, of, of living this perfect life and, and striving for perfection. And the reality is it just doesn't exist. What, um, what, 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 yeah, what is perfection? You know, how do you define what, what that? That's is, like, what, what the hell is perfection? Um, you can't, it's up to the individual to, to decide, you know, absolutely, what, what you know. Yeah. Um, so the idea of making mistakes, of falling down, and all that kind of stuff, we then create the rhetoric that that's bad, you know, making mistakes is just so bad and so forth. And, you know, there's no doubt that the mistakes I make, they were wrong, they were ethically wrong, I own them, etc. Um, but, but the learning from them and the fact that I made them, I'm, I'm a human being. And I think oh. um, what, what Ben says, you know, whether you're, a, you're an elite performance athlete, you're an incredibly, you know, um, top of your game actor, um, you know, in the public eye. He obviously often references people in the public eye because the perception is that, you know, their lives are great because they got money and fame. And nothing could be further from the truth. Um, yep. And that's certainly something that I realise is that, look, I keep making mistakes. I keep tripping up. Um, 
and but I keep but I keep learning from them and I'm starting to I'm not there yet um, I'm starting to realize uh, and accept a lot more the fact that I um, that I am imperfect and some of the imperfections are just innate in me and I'm gonna have to accept those um, and there are others that are imperfect and that they're things that I can work on to improve um, but I'm just never going to reach this 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 falsehood of perfection um, you know that's that's definitely gone gone for me and and I, and I really like that oh well it's I mean it's just that's actually reality like what mm. the hell does that mean that and there is no end point it's like mm. we're, we're taught to sort of get to this end point and then apparently things are all fine it's not how life works like it's just this ongoing thing and and we're going to make mistakes things are going to be good and bad and uh but you know and even what you were talking about earlier in your story i mean you were going through some full-on things and you didn't have outlets for it and Mm -hmm. i think the behavior was not really that extreme based on what you internally were holding on to you you know you weren't giving yourself those outlets and so i mean it's like an example of you know, you're, you're human, like you can't blame, like we, and we're, we're so quick to label people. And if people do act out a lot of the time, it's like, okay, you know, if it's, if the behavior is wrong or, you know, someone commits a crime, obviously they need to be punished or mm. you know, there's consequences, but also, you know, we don't, we don't take enough time to look into what is this person actually going through? What's happened behind the scenes. And, you know, a lot of it comes back to, you know, that preventative, um, education and having these conversations and, you know, what you're talking about, trying to, I think this sharing stories and talking from that standpoint of vulnerability is um, one of the most powerful things we can do because people, yeah. you know, then they can relate and they can actually, you know, hear that story. They hear you, you know, someone in that corporate environment will hear you talk about it. Someone who's actually been through it and done that. And they can mm. think, okay, if he's able to talk about this, maybe that gives me permission to then be able to, talk about it myself or you know yeah, go and yeah, get help for what yeah, I'm going you're, through. you're right I mean the, the ability to talk about it. and Nick you know you you asked before about you know do I come across this with other people and the answer is yes like countless uh, countlessly um and you know the firm that you know I was let go from PwC so many years ago I'm actually doing some work with um some some very senior people there actually on a in a coaching basis and it's really interesting because I'm doing. I, I I sort of call myself a performance and well-being coach, um, but when I'm engaged by clients who sort of seek me out, it's it's usually on the basis of oh look, I've got a capability deficiency, or I'm not performing at the level that I want to be performing. And this is in the business world. I'm not I'm not coaching athletes or anything, um, sporting athletes. Um, but it's a you know like I I don't feel I'm you know managing my team as effectively as I could or. I'm just not building relationships with clients in the way that I need to, to be driving more business. So that's sort of the, their own diagnosis and that's what we start talking about. But then as we go through the process and we're having two-way conversations, you know, I'm talking and sharing as, as much as I'm asking of them, we realize that really there are some significant things that are going on in their lives that absolutely would be impacting on their capability and performance at work. And it's not something that they necessarily saw in absence of our conversations. Um, and the majority of time that we're spending now is much more on the well-being side of what some of these critical, challenging, tough issues are 
that naturally are going to manifest in some kind of performance or capability deficiency. So it is, it is amazing. Yet, if I go out there and say, hey, you know, I want to just let's have a chat about your well-being and immediately deep dive into what's going on in your personal life, I probably wouldn't even get to, to see or meet these people. So it, it's funny still how, how it starts, but the journey is really going there. And the other thing too is if there's one good thing that's come out of COVID, it's the fact that well-being... Um, and talking about this sort of stuff, being honest and vulnerable, um, psychological safety is now at the forefront of conversations across the corporate landscape. Um, you know, companies have chief well-being officers and mental health officers and all that kind of stuff. The initiatives that are being introduced, um, the coaching that's going into leaders to be able to have these more effective conversations with their staff which helps everyone. It helps performance, it helps retention, it helps attraction of new people to that, to that place of work. I mean, that is one really, really good positive coming out of COVID. Um, and it's why I'm so excited at the work that um, I and you are doing is that we've been really, really trying to push and push and push this sort of stuff for a long time. But now it feels like finally there's a bit more of a pull um, and we're actually being asked um, asked to sort of step in and, and, and help where we can. It's so true. You know, people have, it, it is, it's one of the positives to come out of it because people got, were suffering so much that they couldn't avoid talking about it. It had to be addressed and it has, it's just made it such a, a talked about thing. So I think on that side, it's, it's great, but there's still such a long way to go in, you know, quality preventative services, like what you're talking about and giving, you know, high quality training and embedding that in, in corporate and, um, you know, I've seen it in so much of the work that I've done these companies. It's like, they're like sort of mini versions of society where, uh, they've been, these cultures have been bred over so many years. So it's like you're having to chip away at undoing these, you know, embedded cultures. So it's like, it's such a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a process, but this having that initial entry point and having them cooperate with you and be open to it, that, that really does open the door to then find that way into, to start chipping yeah. away at yeah, it. Yeah, you're right. It, it, it is a process and it, and it doesn't happen overnight, but um, the, the power of conversation, you know, and, and I saw it way back when it reached, you know, 2000, 2001 um, with these young people, teenagers, you know, sitting in a room, complete strangers, didn't know each other, coming from all walks of life. Um, and it took that first person to have that courage to speak and you'd see the lips quivering and they were shaking and so forth and, you know, either talking about you know the fact that their parents were going through a divorce, which is so common for, for teenagers, or that um, they were potentially being being abused, or you know, some some horrific things. But how just that first person just created the the the, the safe space for others to follow, um, and replicating that now more and more and more in our everyday working life is um, is 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 just reaping so many benefits. Um, and I know that, you know, in part today's podcast is um, in, in sharing my story is to, to help inspire a lot of people who I know have also done a lot of reflection through COVID. You know, that feeling of, you know, I, I don't really feel connected or I, I don't feel um, like I'm, I'm part of something at this, this place of work and I, and I potentially want to make a move. And whether I know where that is or I don't know, I just, I know that something has to change. But 
also there are some people who are also going, oh, but that feeling of being vulnerable again and putting myself out there and having to speak to people potentially around some challenges in the past, um, whether they'd done things like me and lost their job, been fired, or it's things like suffering mental illness and mental health, that stigma is still there. So I really hope today, if nothing more, that, you know, again, my story um, shows that in creating that story and developing the narrative for you, accepting that we all have a story and we all have imperfections, I really hope that that helps and inspires people who are maybe a little bit scared to make that move and make that make that transition because they've got to talk about or reflect on some dark dark places from the past definitely and i'm sure it will i mean it will help it'll help i'm sure a number of people and i mean i always say even if you know this conversation helps just one person that's that's totally worth it you know if you mm. can help one person make even a small change through us talking about all of this right now that's that's huge you know that's mm. helping someone in their in their life and make a big decision or hope or guide them maybe to to you know making a better decision so it's mm. it is it's so important that we talk about it uh what what would you oh sorry yeah you're gonna i was just gonna say nick like where i mean so many people know your story and certainly all your podcast listeners would know your story but have you ever really thought about like if you hadn't have been able to own your mistakes and and then talk about them from a growth and learning perspective like where you would be today? I think, you know, yeah, it's a good, I, ha I have thought about it. I think I, there's a chance I wouldn't be alive, you know, if I'm really honest about it, because I was on a pretty self-destructive path and I was getting in life-threatening situations on sometimes a weekly basis. And uh, I didn't know, you know, where to put my thoughts and I've suffered from or suffer from OCD and all these different things that I wasn't educated about as a kid, mm. not not because of bad parenting, not because of, anything other than the fact like we're talking about now we're not taught this stuff in school you know it's not yeah. part of society and you know that's a whole other conversation where you know we need which is like like reach that you're talking about i think it's incredible what they do because that is taking you know doing some of what needs to be long-term embedded in you know in how we learn but like so many people i wasn't taught that and i was on such a destructive path and i think if i didn't confront it I would have either imploded and gone down a very, very, you know, negative path. And mm. I really don't even know where I'd be right now or, or maybe not be alive because I mm. just what was so unhappy. Um, so it was so important, but it was, it was terrifying. It was the, the scariest thing I do. And I have to remind myself that sometimes as well, because to me now, naturally, it, there's so many other things I struggle with, but I feel very comfortable just being open and vulnerable. And, but I've, then I've, you know, done thousands of these talks over the last 12 years and it's become second nature. Yeah. Uh, but that's a reminder for me as well, to look back at that and remember I was, you know, literally vomiting before I'd talk in front of five people mm. and I'd be like staring at the floor, you know, mumbling and, you know, terrified. And I remember telling my, when I was, you know, first addressing some of this stuff, I was talking to my best friend at the time uh, she was the first person I told that I was seeing a psychologist and starting to address this. And I was on antidepressants at the time and I was literally shaking and I could barely talk. And I thought she's never going to look at me the same again. She's going to judge me. You know, I was terrified and it was the opposite. It was like, she was, she, she got it. She's like, okay, it makes sense. Your behavior now makes yeah. sense. And yeah. she was my rock and guided me through it. And I had her there and 
you know, like that's what it, that's why I'm so passionate about, you know, yeah. talking about this stuff because yeah. I just know from that. But you know, it's it's a really important message that it is difficult to. It's not going to be easy to go and confront yeah. this stuff at the beginning. It's going to be really terrifying to try and show that vulnerability. But I think part of that message is it is it's like anything. If you haven't driven a car before, it's going to be awkward and difficult to, you know, you're not going to know what you're doing. You're going to need practice. Mm -hmm. It's just another skill to learn, really. It is. It's it's definitely a skill to learn. I mean, I think you touch on a really important point though. And if I go back to reach, I know that one of the challenges at reach was that reach itself provided the safe space. So it gave um, those people who were, those young people who were challenged um, the opportunity to have people who showed empathy and wanted to listen and wanted to care. But outside of reach, a lot of those poor kids didn't have, um, didn't have that support network. Um, in my case, you know, I, I don't think it requires, you know, heaps of people. It's not a matter of telling, you know, volume of people, but like you say, even your stays, your case, just being able to tell one person that you can trust and you can be absolutely vulnerable with is is critically important so you know there's being able to be vulnerable on one hand but then there's having the recipient on the other and and that's really important and i think a lot of the people that i'm working with fortunately talk about having very close friends close family close colleagues etc but they're not really using them or leveraging them in that way to be vulnerable so um they've got the opportunity that they can do that um but they, you, you do need the recipients. And like I said, at Reach, it was, it was different. Outside of Reach, a lot of these kids were really on their own. Um, and um, and, and their, Reach was, was that safe space. And that, that's, so, that's so important. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think it's such a good point because you do see that. You see sort of people that have so many people around them, and, but they're very surface level relationships. And there's not, you know, you're not opening up that opportunity to be able to really talk openly and honestly. Uh, but I think on the other hand as well, you know, it's important that people understand. I had to, you know, find, I'm still finding the middle ground with that where I used to just be too much of an open book with any anyone I'd meet and I'd get taken advantage of or, you know, just it's, you've got to balance it as well. It's not saying you have to be open and vulnerable and bare your soul to every person, you know, you, you come across. It's finding that balance and having the people you trust that you can then go and talk to. And, you know, I think it's just having those, you know, two to three unconditional um, friendships or relationships or whoever they are, whether it's a family member, a friend, a colleague, but having a couple of those or at least one where you can have that, uh, like you said, I think it's critical for anyone, whether you have a mental health issue or not, if you want to grow and, you know, if you, if basically if you're human, I think it's important that you, you do have an outlet like that in some, yeah. you know, way, shape or form. We, we've talked a lot today like again about vulnerability and and i'm sure a lot of again your your followers would know exactly what we mean by that but for those maybe that don't and think that vulnerability is about you know breaking down and just crying um for me it's 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 more than that and and i have a, a definition that I, I take from Brene brown um who is again for me a, a real guru in um in in this space around daring leadership um she's she's just the best she's the most amazing storyteller but um, she talks about vulnerability as being having the ability to show up and speak in a way in which you have no control or knowledge of what the response is going to be. 
Um, and that is a that is a scary thing to do. So for example, um, saying I love you first to someone that you love and not knowing how they're going to respond back. It's incredibly vulnerable. It just leaves yourself open. Um, you know, talking about, uh, for me, saying that I lost my job. I was fired for breaching expense policy, taking the piss. Um, I've lost my job. I've lost my self-esteem, all that kind of stuff. And not knowing if someone's going to sit there and judge me and berate me and tell me off or um, they're going to walk away or I'm going to lose the friendship. It's like, that's what vulnerability is. And now, I'm not saying that I didn't have lots of tears because been through that many times. Um, but just that important distinction and understanding you know, vulnerability is talking about stuff that we know we find hard. We feel a bit sick in the stomach. We're shaking. We're quivering because we just don't know what that response is going to be. Um, and yet that's what people are naturally drawn to. And again, I come back to Ben Crow. He talks about that. Um, you know, think about your closest mates. Think about the people you like spending time with. Why is that? Because you talk about things that are imperfect and that's what draws you together. Um, and, and, and I just, I, I just, I just buy into, and I subscribe to that so much. So, um, yeah, just, a, just another important about important point about what we're talking about there. No, thank you for sharing that. I, I love that. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to use that as well to explain it in that, in that day, because I think it is, it's an important, uh, message to let people mm. know, you know, that's, that's what it means. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I was running a workshop um, recently, so I do a lot of leadership stuff and I was running high-performing teams and um, had this female CEO who was a, an academic. Um, it was a market research organization, very big, very reputable. Um, she had quite a dysfunctional team and there were some real issues and we had to have some courageous conversations. And... We got some really good feedback going into the break that, oh, this is amazing. We should be doing more of this. These conversations are great. They're real. And the CEO turned around and said, oh, I don't know that we need so many more of these cry fests. And it was just this, like, wow, you're the leader of the organization. You're getting really good feedback about how important this is from your team, your leadership team, um, what they were getting out of it. And you've just labelled it this negative cry fest, um, and it was so so pertinent and so significant, and you could just hear a pin drop when that happened as we went into the break. So I had an offside conversation with her during during that break, where I just just sort of brought up, you know, questioned her on her language there and the impact that that had. She took that responsibility. She came back into the room and she apologised, um, but just that she had dismissed so much vulnerability in that room with one quick comment by calling it this cry fest. And it was, uh, it was, it was, it was, 
it was devastating. It was absolutely devastating for the group, and it took a it took a while to sort of rebuild all of that trust that we'd been working on um, for that day. Oh, massively, and I think mm. it's you know in in companies like that's a common thing as well because often the leaders are they you know they've often gotten there by developing this thick skin and trying to train themselves almost to be the opposite of being vulnerable because yeah. that's what we're taught will get you there. Absolutely. So, and they're, they're the ones that are, you know, then passing on all of these messages. Like you say, that's if, if she says that, if you weren't there to intervene, that's the message that mm. they're going to take on. So mm. it's such an important point there that you're making. And I know we've talked about this um, before um, outside of the podcast, how important it is that leaders in companies are really educated and trained like yeah. what you know you're talking about doing because yeah yeah look i've worked in leadership development for, for for many 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 years and you know there's such a strong need and it's such a there's such you know incredibly um uh, available information around you know good leaders lead to great performance in organizations um but even more so after COVID, you know um there are more things that we need to do to help our leaders. So first and foremost, we have to make sure that our leaders themselves um, are functioning okay. They have, um, they have the support that they need. Of course, every individual has issues and things going on in their lives, often which we, we, we never really sort of find out. So we've got to make sure that our leaders themselves are looked after because if they're not, we can't expect them to be looking after and, and being great role models for the people that they ultimately are leading. So that's sometimes the bit that we forget is first check in with them. What coaching, support, help do they need to get them to the level of, okay, now you can do what is required of you to coach, lead, inspire, motivate, support um, the people that you are, that you are leading. So, um, um, you know, there's, there's so many expectations on leaders. They're working with so many individuals. We need to build in the capabilities and, and um, the confidence for them to be able to ask the questions of, of each of their team members. Um, but they can't do that until they have learned these skills themselves. And a lot of that is through talking, being vulnerable, um, showing empathy, they're the they're sort of key attributes um, that are critically important. And if organizations do jump in and go, right, let's go leadership development 101, this is what you have to do as leaders, this is how you have to support your team, without checking in with them first around how equipped they are, what's going on for them, and um, for them to be able to be vulnerable and honest first, then we're, then we're running the risk of um, creating a lot of damage down the, down the line in the team massively and you know it's not it's no one's fault it's not the leader's fault they haven't had that education this isn't something yep. that you taught in companies going back to what we talked about earlier it's not something we're taught in schooling parents don't teach us so it's no one's fault it's just something that needs to change we need that mm. education and and on that broader level you know we need it so then they can bring that to the home you know these leaders can then and then it, it fizzles down you can then educate and change that cycle of educating your kids and you know passing that on and it's sort of it's got until the change happens in these different areas it's not gonna we're not gonna break that cycle so it, it no. is it's so critical that it that yeah. it happens um it sure is a thing that i wanted to you know ask you i mean we talked about you know purpose meaning those areas what what would you say to someone that is going through you know really quite like a lot of people are questioning 
what is, I don't, I, you know, I don't really know what my meaning is anymore. I don't really, I'm, I'm struggling. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm confused. I don't know. I'm, you know, it's hard to get out of bed. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, if they're searching for that meaning and purpose, what, what would you say to them? Um, I'd say I know how you feel. Um, I know how you feel, and, and it's really tough. So, just to selfishly bring it back to me for, for probably the last year, you know, COVID around the world, um, I think for everyone has been really, really tough. My circumstances are that I live alone at home. Um, I'm not in a relationship. I don't have kids. Um, so on one hand, that can be very liberating in that I don't have to support a partner and kids during what was an unbelievably trying time. For me though, there were just massive bouts of loneliness um you know being stuck at home particularly during the hard harsher lockdowns when early on it was pretty hard to go and catch up with with anybody um i I found it really tough and and i think exacerbated for me was this realization that i'd sort of kicked off this um epic startup journey in in the in the space of construction technology um, which is all just about trying to um, match blue-collar workers with jobs, so kind of doing this talent matching, um, but kind of going, okay, this is an amazing business. It's an amazing idea. I've put a lot of energy, financial resources and everything into that early on, but now it's time to, for someone else to to take the reins and to take that forward because that's that's not me. It's not what I want to do. I don't want to grow and scale this business. I want to be doing what I do. So, but that was made even more difficult during COVID. Um, and I think combined with just being alone and not having that sounding board around and that trusted person, you know, a partner maybe that I could talk to, the loneliness and the passion and purpose or the lack of was really, really trying. So back to your question, for someone who's struggling, I get it. It is a struggle. It feels awful. Um, not having a sense of fulfillment where I'm contributing something on a daily basis was tough and it was and it brought me down and it led to really depressive states and and I and I struggled with it um, but speaking to people who are doing what I love you um, Ryan um, all these other people um, listening to podcasts doing the research um, reaching out to my networks and saying that I'm struggling that's what helped me. Um, that's ultimately what helped me. So one was finding the clarity in what I do. And there are people like you who role model this every day. Thank- thankfully, you know, you share it. It's public podcasts, um, websites, courses. That's awesome. But again, I had to be vulnerable and I had to go out and reach out to people and say, hey, this is the situation I'm in. I'm really down. I'm struggling. Um, I feel I'm a little bit lost. In my case, I knew where I wanted to go. So the help that I needed was, how do I get there? How do I get back there? For other people, um, and it's probably even more difficult, it's the, I know this isn't right what I'm doing, but I don't know where I want to go. And that's probably even harder because there's a lot of soul searching that you've got to do. But in that regard, um, it's a matter of speaking to people that you know, like, and trust Speak to your friends, speak to your colleagues, speak to your mentors if you've got them. Ask them what they see in you. How would you describe me? What do you think I'm good at? Um, 
Where do you see my eyes light up? You know, what do you think makes me happy? Start getting the the opinions and the thoughts from other people. Um, I've found that in the past for me has, has really helped me as well. You know, I ask people to say, if could could you describe who I am as a person or could you describe what I do best? And when you start seeing patterns there, that sometimes can can really unlock it. So, you know, in summary, it's hard. I really feel for people who are in that position and lots are. Um, if you know where you got to go, it's the get getting help in how do I get there. If you don't know where you need to go, it's asking your trusted advisors what they see in you um, and, and doing your research, you know, what's out there. Curiosity is a word that I use a hell of a lot. Being curious. Don't be closed to anything. Be open to everything. Someone might talk to you about a role or an industry or a company or a brand or something you like. Heard of them? don't want to know if you've got that closed mindset you're not going to learn instead going oh, well I've, I've heard of them got an opinion not sure how they fit tell me more it's a great great statement to say that tell me more um, curiosity is is a is a great way to get out of this rut definitely i've seen it for me i've seen it for lots of people that i've been coaching um yes yeah, so a long answer to your question no, I, yeah, it's true. You know, curios- I think curiosity is such a good a good word for it because as soon as you, it's amazing. Anything you want to do, you can you start at point zero and you just start talking to people. And you don't have to necessarily have the perfect person to talk to. You just start telling, asking people, talking to them. It's amazing how quickly when you do that, doors start to open or you, you know, the idea forms or you find, okay, actually, I didn't even think of this, but this person randomly suggested this thing. Or like you said, they saw this thing in me. And then you realize, oh, actually, maybe I'll look into that. And then that leads to another thing. And, you know, it's like a snowball sort of thing. And I think, you know, the one thing I say, whether it's with mental health or anything, there's one thing, only one thing that we should not do. And that's doing nothing. If you sit there and do nothing, you, you know, your your thoughts fester and uh, they compound and they become worse and you get in a deeper and deeper hole. So just the one thing is just don't, don't do nothing, do something, you know, whether it's even... It's just taking that, this, the first step is, and it's yeah. not hard, but the thought of the first step's hard. You know, it's always... Thought of the first step's hard. And I, and I think, again, it, it's, a, it's a classic example of how to do this. The best way to do it is to be vulnerable. And what I mean by that, again, is it's sometimes it, it, it's going to feel awkward to go... It, it, asking for help sometimes, we, we don't like doing it. You know, we feel stupid. Um, you know, go and work this out for yourself kind of thing. But that's not actually the case. Vulnerability, if you can be vulnerable in a really authentic way, and in this example, hey, can I speak to you? I'm feeling really lost at the moment. I'm not happy where I'm at. I'm not happy with what I'm doing. And I'm really struggling to work out what I want to do. I'm really struggling to work out what my purpose is or what the right role is for me. Can you help me? People have an innate desire to help others, um, particularly when it's done in that most vulnerable way. You know, um, think about people that, that you've helped uh, in, in your life. You know, when they've said, "I'm struggling," and I, I can you can you help me? I mean, you just you just you just naturally want to. I do too, um, and I've seen it. Same thing for me when I've reached out and said, you know. I'm struggling, I'm lost, I'm feeling really down at the moment, I'm lacking 
fulfillment. I'm lacking a sense of purpose. Um, I'm looking for some direction. Can I bounce some ideas off you? Can we go for a walk? Can we have a coffee? It's incredibly powerful. And again, that's a really good example of what I was defining before around what being vulnerable is. Um, you don't know what the response is going to be. You don't know if they're going to go, Ugh. no one has. I can tell you that. No one ever has. Um, because thankfully, there is an innate kindness in most people. And when done in the right way, people will go, let me, do, let me see what I can do. And if I can't do it, let me find someone else who can. So that's, that's really good. It's so true. It's so true. You know, every, I've, I've had the same. I haven't ever had anyone say no, or, you know, if, like you're saying, if, if not, they'll fight, direct you to someone who can. And I've had, I've been so fortunate. I've had so many people and have so many people around me that um, have been able to offer me support and help. And I couldn't, you know, I wouldn't survive without that. And on the flip side, um, it, you know, when someone does ask for help, it's, it, it's, it is that natural instinct to want to help, but it makes you, you know, I know I say for that, you should look at that and, and tell yourself, I want to be selfish in helping other people because it makes, you know, if you look at it, that it makes me feel good as well. It's going to make you naturally want to help more people because it does. It makes, I don't think there's anything. Uh, I guess it's why we're having this conversation. You know, I don't, I haven't found anything that makes me feel better than just trying to contribute and do work in this area, uh, you know, because it's, it, it feels genuine. And mm. if it does have that impact where you just see one person that took something out of it, it makes yeah. you feel good, you know? Oh, like definitely. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's largely why I do the work that I, I love. I love seeing the impact, you know, that um, some of the stuff that I, I, I talk about um, can have an impact on, on other people. Um, I, I, you know, I definitely feel good about it, but it's, 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 it's you know, it, you've got to be careful too around the, you know, the, that gratification um, you know, I love the idea of um, speaking to someone and, and helping them through a, a particular challenge and seeing them come out of it. Um, I feel fantastic when I do that, but I leave a lot of the action up to them. So I can sort of say, you know, talk about suggestions or talk about, you know, what I do or maybe what I did and that what worked for me. But, you know, now it's up to you. And like you said before, it's about action. You can't just sit, sit there on your hands and hope. Um, so the action and the effort and everything has to come from you. Um, and then getting that feedback of, yes, Sasha, I got, I got this job or I've just found this new opportunity or I've rebonded, you know, my, my, my relationship with my mother, my father, my, my best friend. That's just like, I mean, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. I love it. And I think you're right. You know, people, people do love that. Um, they love the ability to help. But it's really important to be able to do that, to ask for help um, authentically and, and vulnerably. And that's where you'll get the best response from people. Yeah. And, 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 and like you said, you know, it's guiding people and, and giving them that support, but also not telling them how they should do it. I think that, that was yep. a really important point because, and, and you know, you see it um, everywhere in this industry as well, you know, like a a Tony Robbins type thing where it's like, you know, do this or follow my 12 step formula or go and scream mm. and chant. And, and then everything's going to be better if you do that for three days and pay all this money to do it. And it's like, well, no, it's like, you can't, everyone's different. So you, you've got to guide them and try and direct them to the right information or, yeah. you know, let give them the tools to be open to then make their own decisions about what to do next because yeah. everyone's different and we're all got different ways that we learn and, and you know, 
um, there's just no one set formula for how to do it, which I no, think. No, abs absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm seeing lots of people right now who are asking the question of themselves, you know, what is my passion and purpose? And um, do I need to make a change? We hear things um, in the media called this great resignation, which we largely are seeing coming out of the US. Lots of people voting with their feet. Um, you know, this expectation of 40% are highly likely to leave their jobs within the next 12 months, which is a massive thing. And many of whom are willing to do so even without the next job to go to, but just this is not right. Um, this is not good for me. So, I mean, this is, this is, this is huge right now. So um, great that people are thinking about it more, passion, purpose, because it's such a phenomenal driver for fulfillment in your, in your life. Um, but still, it doesn't take away that, hey, it's still hard. It's still scary. Um, it's, a, it's going to be a vulnerable time in your life. But if, you've, if, you, if you effectively use the support crew that, you, that many of us have and are fortunate to have, um, it can make the journey a lot more... A, a lot a lot a lot easier oh yeah it, it make the journey yeah so so much easier and it's it just mm. it's critical i think to have that support no no one can do everything on their own it's just mm. it's not possible yeah so yeah, yeah I, I mean i could talk we could probably talk about this stuff all day mm -hmm. and go into much more day we might have to do a round two of this but um yeah. i we, we sort of have closing questions that we finish every episode with but before yeah. we go into that um are there just for the listeners are there things that you personally do in your day-to-day -day life that help you just with your general, you know, well-being or, you know, for me, it's exercise, meditation, um, having those unconditional friendships, you know, are there things that you do that we, you could share with our listeners? Yeah, um, there absolutely are. So as I said, you know, the last 12 months in particular has been a really, really tough time. You know, I, I, I felt very isolated, um, bouts of loneliness, but just this lack of lacking purpose and, um, and, and passion. And so I'm on this journey now. I know where I want to go and I'm having lots of conversations again with the big four consulting firms where I really want to be doing this kind of stuff on a, on a, on a permanent basis and some great opportunities um, are, are there. But on a daily basis for me, similar to you, I, need, I know that I feel better with exercise and sometimes it's hard because I'm having an off day um, and I have to grit my teeth and do it, but there's no doubt that every time I've finished, I feel, I, I feel so much better. Um, the availability of podcasts and listening to things to kind of go, hey, I'm not actually alone in this. You know what? Mm. Um, there's a great podcast, and I hope, I, I hope it's okay to plug it here. Um, good mate of mine, Ryan Shelton, um, and, and his um, uh, co-host, Hugh, uh, run a podcast called The Imperfects and they have some amazing guests on there and they talk very real and vulnerably um, in the way that I guess we have today. I listen to that and, and I just it just reminds me that we're all in this and we're all, we've all got cases of, of, of imperfection. Um, it's just who we are naturally, so it's okay. And I, I really listen to that. I'm trying to spend, I'm trying to spend less time on social media and I find that if I start going through the flicking, the scrolling kind of thing, that's an opportunity for me to actually learn something. So that's where I'll go to an audio book. Um, there's a great app called Headway right now. Um, it's a paid app, but I think it's well worth it. It's about 80 bucks a year. 
and it's curated books around all sorts of topics from health and well-being to fulfillment to joy to happiness um, to business success and so forth rather than reading or listening to the whole book you get all this curated content you get the key insights from each and you can choose to listen or read so i'm doing that from the point of view of i want to be learning something every day and i've really really enjoyed that i've only been doing that the last couple of weeks but i'm i'm already religiously into it um i love that and like a lot of people i probably stacked on a couple of kgs during covid um for those in the US, that's a lot more pounds than I um, that I would be normally. So I'm I'm really trying to eat healthily. Um, you know, that's lots of lots of vegetables, salads, way more vegetarian meals, um, and that's giving me a, a sense of um, a lot more vibrancy as well. It's still early days, um, but that's that's something new that I've introduced as well. So yeah, there's a couple of things that I'm doing. No, there you go. And I'm, I'm going to take on, I like what you said with the social media stuff, because that's for me, you know, I, I talk about this stuff, but I fall into that in a big way still where you're just, you know, you're scrolling through and you're looking at all these random things. But I like that strategy of when you find yourself doing it, it's like, okay, if I'm going to spend time using technology, why not right now go and actually listen or look at something that's going to educate me? And I think that's um, a really good one. If if I can, Nick, there's a there's a, a leader, one of the leaders that I admire most. Um, not sure if everyone is into Formula One sort of Grand Prix. I've only gotten into it recently through Drive to Survive, but I'm now pretty obsessed. And the Mercedes Benz team principal, his name's Toto Wolf. Um, he's an Austrian guy. He sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but he is just amazing and inspiring. He talks about you know social media. Uh, social media for him feels like that he's putting his brain into neutral, and it's just numb. So he doesn't use it at all. He hates it. But he is also so disciplined and he tells this story where he flies all over the world, obviously, for all the races. And, you know, from the Melbourne Grand Prix back to Europe is a 24-hour flight. He actually sits on the flight, um, doesn't turn on his phone, will not watch a movie, doesn't read anything, and he stares out the window and just reflects. And for him, he's like... It's like plugging my laptop in to the power socket overnight and recharging my battery. He's like, that is a luxury for me to be able to do, to get 20 hours with no distraction. Um, he just eats and stares out the window and thinks and reflects. And I just found that so incredible. Now, I am so far off that level of discipline. It's like, it's, it's crazy. But to me, it's still unbelievably inspiring that he could, that, that someone like that can do um, something like that. I just think, I think he's, I think he's amazing, but it came, that just reminded me because it came from the story of social media where he just talks about, he doesn't like his, his brain being numbed in neutral reflective. Yes, but not numbed in neutral. So um, yeah, that, I just think that's an amazing story. Uh, no, thank you for sharing. And I love it because it's, um, it's an example as well of someone at that level of success you know, how you can, you still can benefit, you know, you, you taking that time out. And we think that, no, we don't have enough time. Or if you want to be successful, you need to be doing things nonstop. And our brain's actually not built to do that. Mm. And you are going to be able to make much more informed decisions if you give yourself that break and you're not constantly consumed with, 
with information. So it's just it, it is such an important yeah. thing. So. Yeah, and we don't we don't we don't have to be on twenty hour flights to be doing that. There's no way. I mean, no. There's so many places that we can go to. Um, you know, meditations something like that, where we just sit and you know cl we've got to close our eyes, open our eyes, whatever it is, and and think and reflect and kind of free the mind. I must admit, I'm not a great meditator. I've 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 always struggled with it. But um, something I would love to be better at because I do find it hard to shut off my mind. But to me, that's just like one of the most epic stories of discipline uh, and focus. So yeah, he's, he's an inspiring guy, that's for sure. Whether you like F1 or not, he's an amazing leader. Yeah, that's pretty amazing, mate. Um, mm. So these five final questions, these can yep. be um, just quick answers, whatever comes to mind. Apologies for my droopy mic today. I've been fixing this <laughs> no problem mate. Well, it's got good sound good. Yeah. um so yeah the first one is what's the the best childhood memory that comes to mind um geez that's a tough one um or one yeah one of them the best childhood memory that comes to mind um I've actually got two and they're both around they're both around life or death moments, would you believe? So um, the first one is I nearly died. I nearly died at about eight years old. You know those little cheese and bacon balls? Um, and I had like a mini mini pack of those. Um, I, I loved those as a kid and and I had a sister who was three years younger than me and just the two of us were were home. And it was like an after-school treat to come home and get, you know, one of those mini packs of chips. And I remember tilting the packet up, um, you know, to, to tip the last few in. And it got stuck in my throat. And I actually started choking. But my sister, who was looking at me, she thought that I was laughing. I was like pulling faces. I was like this. And then she just says, you know, she, she, I, I turned blue. And she, um, she just she just panicked and she went into this instinctive mode. She would have been five or six years old. And she started like grabbing me, punching me, et cetera. Anyway, she just, she just came from behind and, and squeezed me. Not like the full Heimlich maneuver that I think you're meant to do, but she, she just, she grabbed me and I don't know how she knew how to do this. And this cheese ball popped out of my throat. And had she not have done that, I don't know. I, I could have died. So I, rem I remember that so much almost at such a young age thinking I'm going to die here I couldn't breathe and 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 I and I came to and I and, and I survived so she saved my life and then I also did it for her it was winter we had a beautiful pool out the back um, she was younger and she was fully clothed in like winter jackets and like a furry thing and whatever and she fell in the pool and it was just me and it was freezing cold and I jumped into, like instinctively, fully clothed, jumped into the pool because I just saw her sinking and, and brought her to the surface and, and saved her life. So we were one, one. This is probably the weirdest answer that you've ever got to, you know, favorite childhood memory. <laughs> but, but just this life or death instinctive love care reaction for, for my sibling, I just think is, it's just, it was. It's really. It's really memorable for me on both occasions. Um, so, yeah, w weird one. I haven't talked about that in such a long time. But, but, just amazing 
memories of, um, w- yeah, what we do instinctively um, in, a, in a positive way. Thank you for sharing it. And I can't believe it. Yeah, five or I that age. I can't believe that was it, my answer to your it, question. About, <laughs> anyway. It is. It's, it's, a, it's a different one than we've had, but I love that. But it's like, it's crazy at that age, you know, instinctively to yeah. have that reaction to go yeah. and do that. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. What do you think is currently the biggest burden on mental health in society? Or again, one of, there's many. So yeah, maybe one of them. Um, there are a number. Um Look, I, 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 I might take a different tact again in, in answering the question. I think, um, I think there's such a positive side in coming out of COVID where so many people really did suffer um, through in, in so many different ways. It, it affected everyone so differently. Um, but now mental health and well-being has gone from something that was taboo hardly talked about still this negative stigma to it is absolute high-end priority i'm going to weekly seminars and sessions run by the great consulting firms and um, all sorts of companies amazing guest speakers people again that you would never have known had these issues and challenges and um, mental health issues themselves openly talking about them so for me for me, it's just going to be time. It's happening. Um, it's 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 turning on its head in a really really positive way, but it's still just the beginning of the process. So, I guess the the burden is time, but the time that we have now, I think, is going to be used so much more constructively, and that's unbelievably exciting. So, which yeah, you 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 yeah, time. you've just answered the next the next um. The next question, which is, you know, do you see things sort of over the next, you know, 10, 20 years improving, which um, clearly, you know, you do. Yeah, I do. I, 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 I see them. I see them improving. And obviously we're just coming out of the pandemic. Um, so I hope, I hope very much so that this is not just a momentary thing where we go, look, you know, it's been a hard couple of years. We focus on this just for a little bit. And then we go back to normal where we sort of bury it again. That's that's a risk still in my mind. So next 10 and 20 years, I just hope that it does go up and up and up and up and up. Um, performance and well-being are incredibly intertwined. When we talk about company performance, you can't have good company performance without really good health and well-being of you know the people who are in the company. But, you know that that is just that just goes hand in hand. So. I hope it continues to build in momentum rather than it's just uh, at the forefront right now and it slips. That's potentially a risk. Yeah, and I, I think it will. I think it'll be the kind of thing where it will slip a little bit, but I think the people that stay doing it will be the people that really do you know, care and are doing it properly. So it's sort of, yeah. I think it, it will trend in that way. Um, so two more questions here before, we're, mm-hmm. before we finish up. Um, what would you say is your personal definition of happiness? Geez, you're asking really good questions, Nick. Um, and clearly you can see that I'm, I'm unprepared. Hello, Storm. Got the, the dog here to, um, to help you out. <laughs> yeah, look, for, 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 me, for me, happiness is um, 
a, a feeling of fulfillment. Happiness, Happiness is, uh, is a dog. Yeah. A dog, <laughs> this beautiful, beautiful canine licking my ear. Um, no, for me, it is, uh, yeah. passion, passion and purpose, um, definitely. I, I know that I am at my best mentally. You know, my mental health is at, at its best. Um, I feel physically good. I feel energized when I am doing something that I love, with, which is passion and purpose. And sure, I do, you know, leadership development and stuff for work, but I do this every day, you know, with my friends. Um, and for some of them, it's still confronting and, you know, some love it more than others. But, but I, have a, I have a smaller group of friends these days, but a very tight group of friends. And, you know, whether I'm working and I'm being paid and stuff to, to do this kind of stuff, or I'm just having really good, deep, real conversations with my friends, I, I, I'm, I'm fulfilling my passion and purpose and I, and I, feel, I feel incredible. Uh, and, and so that's, that's, that's what I love. Um, and there's no doubt that good mental health and physical health is critically important. You know, I'm in my mid-40s right now and I've got to get all sorts of tests and checkups um, and I, I really value and I respect my health a lot more than what I probably used to. Um, and, and I'm very conscious of that. So being fortunate and grateful for being in a, in a good, healthy space right now, but ultimately doing what I love with, with people that I love and care about. And you look good for, you, for, for where you're at, mate. You, look, you, you definitely don't look in your 40s. You, <laughs> you've still got, got the thick head of hair and, you know, the... No, <laughs> a few, few, few greys on the side. These are my COVID greys. Looking good though, looking good. So I'm, I'm hoping I can, you know, age as well as you oh, have. Mate, which, I don't uh, think you got a problem. The, hair, the hairline's still pretty age. good. <laughs> your dad still looks. Your dad still looks a million bucks, and you are a spitting image of your your old man. So uh, you got good genetics, don't you worry? Should be okay. Um, final right, question. What's this last question? So most courageous thing you've ever done. Um. Um. Two, and I won't go into detail about the first because we've talked about it. The yeah, telling people that I'd lost my job and and you know my whole bravado and my image and my self esteem just collapsing before me. That 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 was one of them, um, and the other one was 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 coming out sexuality. Um, I was twenty nine when I when I finally when I finally did it. Um, you know, I, I fell in love, and and that's how it happened for me. Um, and I'd known for many years before but finally it happening um and telling people you know one by one and seeing the joy and the the the, the celebration and the immense happiness you know um from from other from from those people that i cared about because i felt like i i felt like i was lying for for so much of my life and now I was being very truthful and, and revealing something. And again, it was vulnerable because I didn't know how people were going to react. Like, whoa, okay. Um, don't know if I'm comfortable with that. Um, you just, just didn't know. Um, my dad in particular was someone very hard to tell because I just, you know, just comments that he'd made over the years and things made it, made it pretty challenging. So yeah, um, telling my story at that particular time in, in my life was when I felt like, oh my God, this is so hard. I, 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 was, I was shaking. 
I was shaking, you know, sitting down with mates, taking them to dinner. Remember the very first person I told, um, you know him, Shura. Oh, yeah. we'd, we'd gone out for pizza and we were sitting there at the pizza restaurant and I was hardly talking and I was hardly eating and all that kind of stuff. And it was really literally at the end of the meal. He goes, all right, sh- shall we go? And I hadn't even said it yet. Um, and then I said it and it just felt so relieving to do so. Um, it was, it was amazing, but it was a, it was a really, it was a challenging time in my life, but ultimately incredibly rewarding. And again, rewarding through being vulnerable, you know, so rewarding through being vulnerable. Which, which I think is a great way to, you know, finish up as well, tying Mm. back into the vulnerability. It's yeah. Mm. And yeah, thank you for being so open and uh, sharing all of this information, which I know, you know, will help so many people. And I've, learned stuff about you that you know we haven't um talked about before as well so it's been great so i really appreciate it if uh, we'll put and and is there if people want to learn more about you where where can they go um they can um so linkedin's a a, a great great place for me um linkedin um or at sasha Koff on instagram um more than happy to to meet connect um uh I, I i love doing that um but yeah sasha kaufman i'm sure you'll share my details and spell we'll put we'll put it in the in the show notes um, no we'll, we'll have yeah. all the links yeah you're linked in yeah. in the show notes for you and mate thanks to you thanks for everything that you do you've been in this space for for 10 years um pushing shit uphill early on when um when people didn't respond well to this and yet you were so determined um and to see what you've done now and how many people you've helped through telling your story, through bringing in other people, through helping other people open up and, and share, mate, you're, you're a testament. Um, and, um, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's an honour to be, to be part of this and to be collaborating with you, mate. So thank you for giving me this opportunity to be part of your incredible journey. This episode of Move Your Mind was produced and edited by Tim Boozer. Thanks to Sasha Kaufman for joining me today for Move Your Mind. And just another reminder that the Move Your Mind book is now available globally. It's in stores Australia-wide. You can get it online globally through nickbrax.com. And the audio book is also now available globally. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.